Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's really good to be with you in so many different ways. It's amazing. I mean, I can I can see people on the screen to my to my right here. I can see the the people on Zoom. I'm I'm tracking on YouTube and Facebook, and I'm I'm seeing people talking about giving with serving spoons. And I didn't see a shovel on there yet, but uh, it's good. It's just so nice to be able to worship with you guys and to see some faces. So if I get a little bit distracted today, it's because I'm watching you. It's because I can see you. It's like you're actually here. This is this is fantastic. This is amazing. Well, uh, today we're going to uh, we're going to carry on with uh, with the pivot series. But you know what, uh, Pastor Carl kind of threw me for a curveball. I was going to try and tell a joke. I was going to see what it was like to tell a joke in an empty room with nobody here, just the camera. But uh, now I'm actually going to be able to see your real time faces. But usually I get booed. Sometimes I get a, a groan here and there. But here, here, we'll try this one. Why were the dark ages so dark? Why were the dark ages so dark? Because there were so many nights. I got a laugh from the sound booth. I heard it. I heard somebody out there. That's awesome. So good. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know what? If you liked it, say yay. If you didn't, say boo. <laughs> interact with us. I see Wayne's kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. But come on, interact. It's not too late on Facebook, too. You can share. You can share the, the feed. You can get involved in YouTube. Type, comment. Let's get involved. Let's do this together today. Because somehow, it's remarkable. All the stuff we're able to do. We're in this together. We're doing this together. We're tracking together. And it's a lot of fun. I, I can't tell you how, how blessed I I feel right now to be able to see faces looking back at me. It's uh, it's actually kind of uh, pretty cool, <laughs> and to see some waves too. Look at that! Wow. All right, well, today, guy, oh, I got a lol. I got a lol, an LOL, and a ha, ha, ha. Praise Jesus. Thank you. All right, maybe this is my, this is my way. But okay, we're going to jump in. Pivot. We started the, the, the year with a, a new sermon series called Pivot. And uh, today, real quick, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do first of all. We're going to talk about faith today. And there's three things I want to tell you. There's, there's a whole bunch of really good uh, sermon series that you can go back and look at the archives at impactlondon.ca and lots of stuff about faith and the law of faith. And Pastor Carl's got so many good faith teachings. And I just wanted to, to do this today, not as a way of kind of reiterating stuff, but just as just as a, as a way to supplement that. Because I, when I was thinking, and even just talking this week with Pastor Carl in the office about faith, and there's three things really struck me. Uh, one is faith as a context. Two, faith has an object, and three, faith has a result. And I just want to uh, want to share a little bit with you about that. But we're going to start with context. Did you know that your faith works best when you embrace the context that you're in? I mean, if you think about it, and you think about how, um, you know, God made Adam and Eve, and he made them, and he put them in a garden. He gave them a job to do. He gave them a place to live. He gave them an environment. And you know what? Our context right now is we are in a pivot. We're in a very defined time right now. We're, we're in the middle of something that God's doing and saying to us as a people. And so Pastor Carl started the year off by telling us all about pivot, what it is, a fixed point, supporting something which turns or balances. And I, and I really like this quote, the changeable or the unchangeable in relationship to the changing. And I just thought that was very stupid. I thought that, that, that's really applicable to the times that we're living in right now. Because I don't know if you know this, but we're living in changing times. 
I mean, it, it used to be that massive cultural, global even, societal-wide changes, they used to take decades. They used to take generations to happen. And now, in, in a very real sense, we're seeing incredible change and shifts in culture and the way people do life, uh, sometimes in days, weeks, and even months. I mean, we're not talking decades and generations anymore. Change is upon us. Change is happening, whether we like it or not. Now, for, for people who might uh, like this kind of thing, this, this kind of comes from systems theory. But I was, as I was thinking about change, you know what? There's really only a couple of responses you can make to change. But one of them is not to change yourself. You, when change gets introduced into your world, you will change. And how that works is like this. Something gets introduced into your environment, something new, something different, and you can either embrace it, you can go with it, you can go with the flow, you can find an easy way to adapt to it, and you can work with it. You can become complacent and ambivalent and just eh, check out and just not really pay attention. Or you can become even more entrenched and say, no, I refuse to change. I'm not going to go along with the change. I don't like it. And you know what? There's, I think there's actually an appropriate time and place for each of those responses. But here's the thing. You actually change. To say that you're not changing is, is kind of a bit of an illusion. You're either changing by adapting or you're becoming more entrenched in your previous and currently held belief and stance. So when change comes along your way, not changing is not an option. You are changing. It's whether you're becoming more adaptive and you're flowing with it, whether you're resisting it and becoming even more entrenched in what you are, and sometimes that's good, or, or you're becoming more ambivalent and more, more complacent. But something is happening in you when change gets introduced into your world. And uh, that's just a really good thing to be aware of right now because uh, of the environment we're living in. Change is constantly upon us. They say change is the only constant right now. But here's the thing. We're pivoting. And what a pivot means is that we're not necessarily changing just for the sake of changing. We're, we're changing, but we're doing so in relationship to the unchangeable. We're doing it in relationship with a God who is our foundation. So look at this, Malachi chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. God is that unchangeable one that we have a constant relationship and that our feet are grounded in. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is who he's always been. He, he's always been full of love. He's always been full of grace and mercy and truth. And you know what? That's never changed. That was never untrue. And it's never going to be untrue in the future. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can count on that. We can bank on that. God is faithful. He is who he says he is. And he is as we see him expressed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. But you know what? There's something else. His purpose doesn't change either. And by that, I mean this. Look at uh, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. So not only is God's nature and his core essence of who he is, not only is that unchanging and never going to shake, never going to, we're never going to have to wake up and think, man, I wonder if God's in a good mood today. Or we're never going to have to wake up and wonder, oh no, I wonder what his disposition is towards me today. No, he's always love and he's always full on love. But his purpose, that thing that he's seeking to accomplish in the world, it's the same too and it doesn't change. His unchanging purpose is to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters cover the sea. His eternal 
eternal purpose, which you can read about in Ephesians chapter three, it's eternal because this was what was in the heart and the mind of God from eternity past. And it's what God's gonna always be doing in eternity into the future. He has a plan. He wanted to join humanity, the church to Jesus, and through the church, through a body of believers, reveal himself and make himself known. The Bible says, make the manifold wisdom of God known to all of the creation. That means principalities, powers. That means there's a destiny on the church far greater than just what's happening down here. But forever and ever, we're gonna be manifesting, revealing, and showing the glory and the wisdom and the personality and the character of God to everything and everyone forever and ever. That's why it's the eternal purpose. And you know what? That never changes. God is doing what he's always been doing, and we can align ourselves with his program by embracing that purpose and seeing our part in it. And you know what? That is actually the context for our faith to be worked out. The context is we see and we identify ourselves in God's story. We see what he's trying to do. We embrace the fact that God's program for my life is to have me fulfilled, to have me full of life and love, and through my life to make himself known, to make the invisible, unapproachable God known and visible, understood and tangible through me, through you, through us, and through our community. And that's just amazing. But that is the context that our faith works. Now, it gets even more specific than that. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Uh, Pastor Carl uh, showed this to us again a couple weeks ago, but here's the unchangeable God, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet he's saying weird things like this. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So this, this unchangeable God who has a purpose that's from eternity past, it's going to go all the way into eternity uh, in the future, this unchangeable God ha wants to do new things, and our job is to become aware of it, to perceive it, to realize it. And this is the point that I want you to catch here. God is doing something new. He's doing something new in our times. He's doing something new in our lives. He's doing something new in us as a group of people. And what he's doing, this new thing, I mean, it's totally in keeping with his character, and it completely aligns with his big picture purpose. But here's the context. Here's the part that we all need to grasp. What God is doing, he's working that purpose out, and he's expressing his unchangeable nature in unique ways in every life, in every personality, in every family in every time, in every generation, in every culture. And our job in our time is to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Our job is to perceive what God wants to do, become conscious of it, aware of it, embrace it, and move with it all while moored together into this solid foundation that God is for us. So there's a context to our faith. And you know what? Faith works best when you understand the context and you realize God has placed you where he's placed you. Maybe in your job, maybe in your geography, maybe in a local church. God has placed you there on purpose because he knows that your faith is going to thrive when you embrace the context of his purpose for your life. And you can see yourself in the bigger picture of what he's trying to work out in our times. So that's what we got to do. But we want, we want to move. We want to embrace the context of our faith. We want to embrace the purpose of God. But we want to do it moored to a solid foundation. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Carl, Pastor Cheryl, they talked about uh, seven foundational values that we have here at Impact Church. And uh, these things, uh, it was talked about in the pre-show too. You should go back and have a look. Pastor Cheryl gave an amazing little synopsis about what the, these values are, where they come from, and how they get expressed in our community. But we've identified seven foundational values. And, and these, are not, um, these are not goals and, and behavioral yokes that we're trying to put on people. They're not things that we're trying to make people live up to. But 
But we, these are seven foundational values that we've identified as unique expressions of the life of Christ. Wherever you see the Impact Church movement, wherever you see the Impact Church people, community, gather, these are seven things that Jesus himself, it's like he stamped it in the hearts and in the DNA of those who belong to this church, who are part of this movement. So whether you're Impact Church, Toronto Impact Church, Bridgewater Impact Church, London Impact Church, Timbuktu, wherever we're going to go next, you're going to find that the unique DNA and stamp of Jesus Christ in us as a people, you're going to find these values. You're going to find a connect, follow, discover, invite, give, serve, and enjoy. And you know what? That's why we've written that book, so that we can help explain and help people embrace and identify and, and see and perceive. You, you know, we got to be able to perceive it. Well, sometimes when you got it in a book form and you got it written down, it helps you to perceive it just a little bit. But these are foundational values that God has placed in us as a people. And uh, once these foundations are identified and celebrated, then we want to get moving. We want to start moving. We want to start moving forward. And, and that's part of the pivot, too. I mean, pivot's not standing still in a foundation. It's your rock solid in your foundation, and you're moving. I don't know if you remember Pastor Cheryl in the basketball example, where she's moving around with the basketball. But uh, we're moving. We want to move forward. And last week, we, we looked through uh, at, at a few people who were stuck in a lockdown, but who made incredible, um, for the most part, made incredible faith decisions to get moving after their lockdown, and even in the middle of it. So we, we looked at Pastor, Pastor Carl looked at Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament while in a lockdown. That's crazy. He's super productive. Oh my goodness. He wrote two-thirds of what would become eternal, immortalized uh, canon scripture that I think we're going to be reading and interacting with millions of years from now. He did that in the midst of his lockdown. Talk about a productive time. I mean, wow. But he did that. And, and then the question was posed to us last week, what are you writing in your lockdown? And I think that's really, really important. I think it's really important because of this. I think that what we're doing now, today, is what's shaping our future. And I think what we're saying now is actually framing our destiny. See, if our mindset and our attitude is, you know, we're in lockdown right now, where we're in this kind of holding pattern, and once it's over, then I'm going to re-engage. Once it's over, then I'm going to step into the plans and the purposes of God. You know what? You might find yourself just a little bit out of step, because there's amazing things. There's amazing proactive things that are happening right now, and there's amazing proactive things that God wants to do in your life in this moment of lockdown, too. So this, this, this statement that I'm saying, what you're doing now is shaping your future. What you're saying now is framing your destiny. That's not to get us all legalistic and worried, you know. Uh-oh, I, I better, uh, you know, get all introspective and make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm following all the rules, I'm doing all the stuff, I'm, and get anxious and religious performance and all that kind of stuff. It's not about that, but it is about this. It's about realizing that the situation we're in right now is not the situation that we're always going to be in. As Pastor Carl said many weeks ago, there is an after this. And by faith, you can see, you can perceive, you can grasp what that after this is. And you can begin to start to make good, positive faith decisions right now that's going to help you make the most of this and be able to move into what is after this in a really good, faith-filled way. See, here's, here's one of the big lessons that the Israelites had to learn. And it's something that when we look back, we can learn from their story. The Israelites had a lockdown of their own. They were for 400 years uh, held as slaves. I mean, they probably had curfew. They had geographical restrictions on their lives. They had to stay in this land called Goshen. And they were forced to work for the Egyptians in, in building cities and monuments and buildings and all sorts of stuff. 400 years. For generations, these guys were held in lockdown. 
And then God raised up a deliverer and said, you know what, guys, there's an after this. Your time has come. You're going to get out of your lockdown. I've got a beautiful plan for you. I've got a promised land I want to bring into you. It's going to be the exact opposite of everything you're experiencing right now. There's a deliverer on the way, and I'm going to bring you into a promised land. But you know what? If you know the story of the Israelites, God got them out of lockdown, but they didn't get into what he'd promised them. In other words, the lockdown ended. God brought the Israelites out, but they failed to enter into what was promised them afterwards. And it wasn't because God uh, took his promises back. It wasn't because God changed his mind. It wasn't for anything other than that. It was just because of their failure to embrace the future God had for them by faith. It was their failure to embrace what God had for them by faith. Look at this, Hebrews 13. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. It was their unbelief that kept them from being able to walk into the after this that God had for them. And, you know, if you know the story of the Israelites, that's actually a remarkable statement. Because, you know, you see what, they're, they, what they got up to in the wilderness. They got up to all sorts of stuff. I mean, they were a naughty group of people. They're, they're worshiping idols. They, they tragically rejected God. I mean, this God who, who delivered them and brought them out of slavery, they, he, he tried to come down a mountain and have a personal relationship with each of them. And they basically said, uh, nope, you freaked me out. I don't want anything to do with you. You, you can talk to us through Moses. I mean, they rejected God. They, they started worshiping idols. They got involved in adultery and idolatry, all sorts of evil stuff. But the Bible says, and when, when in a faithful, inspired way, when you look back on that story, the lesson the Holy Spirit wants us to see is it wasn't because of their awful, wicked acts that kept them from moving into what was there after this. It was their unbelief. It was their unbelief. So faith is really, really important. Hebrews chapter 4, 2 and 3, it explains their predicament. It says, The word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we want to be those who, who hear, who hear clearly and allow the faith of God to begin to work inside of us because there is an after this. And God's speaking to us about it. And he's speaking to you about how he wants to advance his purpose in your context even right now. I mean, God's purpose, God's plan, it's eternal. It's not locked down at all. And he's still moving us forward in our own personal lives right now. So you can hear that. So, so here's the thing. You might be asking the question, you know, how do I pivot? How do I start moving? You know, I, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to believe there is an after this. There's something that I want to do. There's something that God wants to do in and through my life, in and through my community. How do I do that? How do I start to pivot and move forward? Well, here it is, very simply, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. And you know what? There's actually three other verses that say the same thing. I think God really wants us to get this. The way that the just will live, the way that the just will move forward, the way that God is going to work out his rightness in our lives is through the way of faith. Faith is going to lead the way in our lives. Faith is going to lead the way to, to beginning to experience the rightness of God being affected in each of us and in our lives. So faith is really, really important. The just shall live by faith. The rightness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's faith from beginning to end. And you know why it's faith? It's faith that it could be by grace. It's so that nobody can boast. It's so that nobody can say, I did this of my own accord. I did this by my own awesomeness or my own power. It's by faith that it might be by grace. And it's by grace that it might be by faith. Faith. So the way forward right now is faith. It's faith in God, and faith has a context. So embrace your circumstances. Embrace your situation. And in that situation, where you are, wherever you find yourself right now, say, this is where I am, and God wants to meet me. God is going to speak to me. I'm going to hear his voice clearly, and I'm going to move forward by faith today. That's something that we can do. Faith has a context. Embrace it. Now, second of all, faith has an object. 
And uh, by that, I mean faith is only qualified by who or what it's in. I mean, to, to just say you have faith, but to not say who you have faith in or what you have faith for, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Faith is directed towards someone. It's directed towards something. So Paul, in 2 uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says this. He said, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. See, faith is a, is a personal and it's in a relational experience. It's something that we, that we have that comes to us in a relationship with a person, and it's in somebody. It's in someone specific. See, to just say, you know, I have faith in God or, or I have faith that, you know, the universe is going to work it out or something like that. When we say have faith, we're not talking about a, a, a positive disposition that, that's cheery, optimistic, and hopeful. No, our faith is directed towards someone and someone uh, specific, and it's relational, it's personal. So by saying faith in God, we mean the God who's revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, the one who's full of grace and truth. And when we say we believe in God, we're saying we believe in Jesus Christ, the exact and the express image of the Father, the one by whom, for whom, through whom all things were made, the one in whom all things consist, the one in whom we live, we move, we breathe, and have our being. When we say we have faith in God, we say we have faith in Jesus Christ, the one who loved us, the one who gave himself for us, the one who died for our sins, the one who rose from the dead victorious over sin, sickness, death, disease, curse, devil, all that stuff. That's what we say when we say we have faith. We have faith in Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the one who baptizes us in the spirit, who's inseparably linked himself to us, who became one of us so that we could become one with him. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about the anointed one, the perfect human. We're talking about the second person of the Trinity, the God who, who gives us his own glory and helps us to share in his relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit. That's who we're talking about when we say we have faith. We're directing our faith in someone specific. And you know what? All those things that I just said, that's all, that you can find all that in the Bible. That's all uh, descriptions of Jesus Christ. But you know where it starts? It starts just by simple faith, by just calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know what? Jesus, you, you embark on this lifelong journey with him where he, by his Holy Spirit, kind of unveils himself and reveals himself, and you get to know him. So you know what? You might not all know all of those things personally and directly as being true about him. They are true about him, but he wants to show you that this is true. He wants to show you, you are the one. You know, I'm the one that you live and move and breathe in. I'm the one who died for you. He wants you to know that, and it starts with just being able to direct your faith towards the person, Jesus Christ, and just say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. And you know what? He said in his Bible, he said that eternal life is to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. The knowing of God, the relational aspect of this, this, this faith journey is vital. Faith is not, uh, it's not an agreement with a, with a, a list of, of intellectual statements or propositions. Faith is not something that you just agree with as a true statement. No, faith is an internal persuasion by the Spirit of God that what he's revealed to you about his son Jesus is actually true and real, and you can trust him and believe in him, that all that he said he is and all that he said he's going to do, he will work it out in your life. It's an internal persuasion that comes in this, this relationship of communication where God speaks to you and begins to awaken faith on the inside of you, and you make that quality decision and say, yes, I agree, I accept, I'll work with what you're working on in me, I'll, I'll yield myself to, yes, your word can produce in me what you said it can. And that's where it all starts. And that's where this relationship begins and how it unfolds in a beautiful way. 
So faith has an object. Faith is going to lead us into what's next, but our faith is not just a sunny disposition. It has a context and it's rooted in a person, the unchangeable God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he invites everybody into this personal relationship where he is revealing himself and his Holy Spirit has taken on the responsibility of making Jesus known to you. So it's not even a labor. It's not even a hard work. It's just saying yes to what God is showing you about himself in your life. So it's good stuff. It's really good. I'm so grateful that uh, faith isn't something I have to produce or pump up. I'm so grateful that faith is something that comes to me. And we're going to talk about that in a minute too. But third, I just want to show you that, that faith has a result that it's seeking to produce. See, look at this. In Hebrews, it says that anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, if our faith is only that something is true, like God exists and, and he does, but it isn't actually directed towards someone for something, it's, it's kind of, uh, there's something lost in the process there. See, James chapter 2, verse 19, he, he kind of says, I think a little tongue-in-cheek, but he says, you know, you believe God exists? Great. That's awesome. You know who else does? The demons. And they shudder. He's kind of like, you know what? You, you can believe in God. You can believe in the existence of true things. You can do that. But there's a result that faith wants to work out in your life. It has a work. So uh, it goes on to say, you know, to see, I think that if we're actually seeing God, if we see him clearly to believe in his existence, if you see God for who he is in Jesus, you're going to see that his whole existence just screams grace. It just screams the self-giving of who he is and all that he has towards you. And that's going to produce something in your life. And I do think that's the biblical faith. That, that's faith that will see us pivot and move into something that God has for us. You know, it's not just I believe in God, but I believe in God as revealed through Jesus Christ. And I believe that that is going to produce X, Y, and Z in my life. I believe in the person. I believe in who he is. And I believe in what he's going to do in my life and through my life. And you know what? We can get really specific about that as well. Again, last week we talked about Habakkuk chapter 2, 2 and 3, where it says, write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So, I mean, you, you, can, you can get clear on what God is speaking to you. You can get clear on what he's showing to you. And you can have a vision for what he wants to do in and through you. Start to create faith on the inside of us. So, I mean, when we say that God, faith in God is directed towards the end result, I mean, that can be anything. I mean, that can be that I believe that he wants to heal my body. That can be that I believe he's going to, uh, you know, create a breakthrough in a relationship. That could be I believe that God is going to create uh, uh, I don't know, a financial opportunity for me. It can be as unique as the circumstances you find yourself in. But the whole cycle of faith is, I believe in Jesus, and that's going to result in something. God's grace is going to pour into my life and produce a result in my life and in my world. So here's a couple biblical things that you can, you can believe and expect God to do in your world. This is some of the results, the, the fruit, the product of faith. You want to work the works of God. Well, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 28, that by faith, whoever believes in him, faith is the requirement to work the works of God. I want to see uh, a greater expression of the Spirit of God in my life. I want to experience the anointing. I want to, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to experience more of God in my world. Well, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow forth rivers of living water. I mean, just think about that for a second. Just even just say it to yourself. Like, I believe in Jesus, 
and living waters flow out of my innermost being. I believe in Jesus, and living waters flow out of me. It's, it, it's almost impossible to say something like that without having a little Holy Spirit tickle. It's amazing. I mean, because you believe in Jesus, you can have an experience with God right now. The Holy Spirit welling up inside of you, bubbling up in you. You can speak the words of God. You can encounter him right now just by faith. You want to do the works of God. Well, we already covered that one, but Jesus said, not only are you going to do the works that I did, but you're going to do greater works. He who believes in me will do greater works. This is a result and a consequence of faith. I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I believe that through my life will come greater works than what he did because he went to the Father. You can say to a mountain, you can speak to obstacles, say be removed, be plucked up, be cast out of the way. That's a consequence of faith. That's something that we've been given permission to believe for. And look at this, Mark 11, 24 and 25. Jesus has literally given us a blank check. He said, whatever you say, if you believe and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that the things you say you can have, you're going to have it. That's a blank check from Jesus. So God is always encouraging us to put a demand on our faith, to realize and to see the things that he wants to do in our lives and in our world through faith, to embrace it and to move forward with an expectation that faith in him specifically is going to work out in our lives towards specific ends and specific results and specific goals. And as I said, that can be very individual. These are specific things that are in the Bible. But, I mean, you can, you can take promises out of the Bible and adapt them to your own life and circumstance. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you want to start a business. Well, you can do things like look in the Bible and say, wow, in Deuteronomy it says, I'm the Lord and I give you the power to make wealth. There's dunamis power in your life to generate and to produce money and wealth. Well, okay, I'm going to believe in Jesus, the one who's the anointed one, the one who gives me his spirit, the dunamis power of God, and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to start making decisions and movements towards making money. Or I'm going to, I believe for the health and the healing of the love one. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to receive it. Jesus is the healer. One of the covenant names of God that we talked about, Je uh, uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And uh, you can embrace that and you can say, okay, I see you, Jesus, as the one who heals the sick. And now I'm believing in you for a specific result for my loved one or for my body in this specific condition or whatever. But our faith, it needs to be expressed in someone and towards something because we want to see results. And God has given us permission to believe him for ridiculous, outstanding things to happen happen in our lives through faith in him. So we don't just want to say, I have faith. Faith is not just this random thing. It's in someone and it's for something. And if this is true, I mean, if, this, if there really is a blank check that we can have, uh, you know, whatever you say, think about that. That's amazing. Think about the results of what faith can do in our world. And if that's really true, then for me, the big question is, well, how do I get it? How, how do I get this faith? I'd have to be honest and say sometimes I don't, I mean, there's some things I've said and I haven't seen them come to pass yet. And so I asked myself, you know, what, God, what, what's your process? Where's this faith come from? Well, what's the deal here? And he says very clearly, thankfully, I'm not looking for answers. It's right there in the word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I want this faith. I want the faith of God alive in my life. And here he says, you know what? That faith is going to come to you when you hear the rhema word of God. When Jesus communicates to you, when you hear his voice, and uh, you know, you can hear his voice. He's speaking to us every day very loudly. He's communicating to us at a heart level. In fact, the Bible even says that the word is near you and it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. The word we preach, the word of faith. So God is speaking to you deeply, internally. He's joined himself to the human race and he's speaking to us to the in the depths of who we are. And our job is to hear it. Our job is to perceive it. Our job is to be like Mary and say, yes, Lord, I agree with what you want to say. I agree with what you're telling me. Let it be unto me as your word has said. 
And we don't want to be like the Israelites. See, in Hebrews, when they're recounting the story, the author of Hebrews says, you know, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It's his voice that comes to you. It's his word that comes to you and breathes and creates faith on the inside of you. And that word that brings faith, it's not far from you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. You got to believe it. You got to speak it. The Bible says when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's when salvation happens. That's when the results and the consequences of your faith begin to flow. But that word itself, it's not a mystery. It's not hard to find. God is speaking to you right now. On the inside of you, you're hearing a word. God is bubbling up inside and communicating you. Don't harden your heart, as it says. Don't harden your heart. Say yes. Agree with it. Embrace the reality of what God wants to do and say yes. Let it be unto me according to your word. One of the, the beautiful things about faith as well is not only is that word not far, not only is that word difficult to, to hear and understand and grasp, but faith is actually, when it comes down to it, it's a gift. You know, doesn't it say in Ephesians that we're, we're saved by grace through faith? And that is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Jesus speaks to us. He communicates with us. And that word, that preceding word is actually producing faith on the inside of you for to produce and to, to create the very thing that that word came into your life to do. And the beautiful thing again about this is that he speaks to us and his words awaken inside of us his faith. See, faith isn't something that happens to us when we try our hardest and conjure it up or study long enough and study hard enough. Faith is what happens when you receive his communication to you and say yes to it. When you embrace it, when you hear the word of God and you say, yes, yeah, that's me. I see myself in that story. Yes, God, you can do that thing that you just said to me. You know, you hear somebody say, you know, the Lord is your healer. And you say, wow, yeah, okay. Well, then I guess by his stripes, I'm healed. That's faith. And that's what happens to you when you hear the word. So faith comes by hearing. Our job is not to conjure it up and pump it up. That's kind of, that's faith in our faith. But you know what? God gives us and breathes to us his faith. So Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says that we can look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that word author in the Greek, it's the word archegos. And it means a file leader, a pioneer who leads the way, who pioneers the way. Somebody who's gone before us and breaks us through into a way of living or into an experience. So Jesus went before us. Jesus became a man just like us. He was a man anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. He went around and did things. But you know what? He did what he did by faith in God. He, everything that the Son of God did as a human, and I believe still what he does now, he does by faith and confident trust in his Father. And he breathes that same faith and confident trust into us. Every time we hear his word and say, yes, Lord, let it be in me according to what you said, according to what you described. You call me your child? Wow, that awakens me to a new identity. And all of a sudden, I stop trying to become a child of God, but I hear him speak into my heart. You are my child. You are my son. You are my beloved. I love you. I love who you are. I appreciate this about you. And all of a sudden, faith in the love of God starts to rise up inside of me. I don't try to create it. I don't try to pump it up, but I say yes to the word, and that's what happens to me. Faith is created on the inside of me when I say yes and agree with it. And thankfully, it's a gift. Like I said, look at this. Galatians chapter 2, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Now catch this. The life which I now live in the flesh is kind of like Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. This is Paul. He says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loves me and gave himself for me. He says, I, in the context of who I am and what God's created me to be, I have faith in God and I'm living out of the faith of not just anyone, but someone, Jesus Christ, and I qualify him as the one who loved me and gave himself to me. For me, that means Paul had an amazing revelation that not only have I died with Christ, but it, part of being raised up together with him and being a recipient of his life and his love is I'm also a recipient of his faith. And the mind and the heart that Jesus has and the, the consciousness that he has and the way that he thinks and the way that he feels and the way that he exists as a person, he's imparted that into me. That's part of the amazing thing of being made one with Jesus. I actually share headspace with him. The part of me that has the capacity to believe in God has actually been joined to the capacity that Jesus has to believe in the Father. And the same faith and trust that Jesus has in the Father is the same faith and trust that I get to live out of. That's a consequence of being made one with Jesus. And that's a consequence of the life of Christ on the inside of me. I get to live by the faith of, not just faith in, not just I'm directing my faith towards Jesus, but the faith that Jesus had is also inside of me. And I, I'd give you this, this, this encouragement and this, this challenge sometime. I mean, if you want to ever contemplate something amazing, think about this. I do this often. I think about the faith of the Son of God. I meditate on Jesus and, and, and I let him share his thoughts with me and his consciousness with me about, you know, the faith that he had in his father. Listen to some of this stuff. This is amazing. John 16, verse 15. Jesus says, everything that the father has is mine. Isn't that amazing? Think about, think about the faith that Jesus has there. Everything the Father has in mind is mine. You know, when, that, when the faith of the Son of God is rising up on the inside of you and you, like Jesus, can say that everything the Father has is mine and you believe that the faith of Jesus inside of you is producing that kind of result, well, that makes certain things make sense and reality is more possible for you. Doesn't it say in Romans that, uh, you know, if he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he also not along with him freely give us all things? Well, I'm telling you, when the faith of Jesus, the faith that says everything the Father has is mine, starts to rise up inside of you, you start to believe, oh my goodness, wow, everything. He'll give me all good things along with his son. Look, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, I, I, think, I think I have the authority to do this. Let me check the rule book. No, Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Look at that. That's, the, that's a faith statement. That's the faith of Jesus saying, you know what? I am the one who possesses authority. And when the faith of the Son of God, when you're living by the faith of him, you're also walking in this kind of authority. And you're able to start to speak to things. You're able to live with an expectation that you possess the authority to change things and make things happen. And it's not because you're pumping up and trying to conjure this faith or you're trying to earn the authority to do mighty things in his name. It's because the faith of Jesus that says all authority in heaven and earth is mine is starting to be operative in your life. You're starting to think the way that he thinks. You're starting to feel the way that he feels. You're starting to look at circumstances instead of feeling like those are too big for you to deal with. You're starting to feel the faith of Jesus on the inside of you and you tackle that thing and you say, no, you're gone in the name of Jesus. John 3 verse 35, Jesus says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. I love that. Jesus' confident faith and trust in the Father's love for him. Wow, he says, the Father loves me in so much affection and personal love for me that he's put everything into my hands. And you know what? That faith, the faith of the Son of God rising up on the inside of you, causing you to know that God has put you in charge of all things, it's going to help you to no longer live like you're a victim or somehow we're stuck and we're victimized by the choices of others or we're stuck in circumstances that we can't affect and change. 
I think this is the basis of how, you know, the Apostle Paul said that you, the church, don't you realize you're going to judge angels? God has literally put the affairs of heaven and earth, all things down here and in the future, in our hands. And when we rise up in the faith of Jesus and realize he's put all things in our hands, we'll start to affect some things. We really will. John chapter 5, verse 20, the Father loves the Son. Again, another faith statement that Jesus says, wow, God loves me. My Father loves me so much, so much that he actually is going to show me everything that he's doing. I'm never going to live in ignorance or darkness. And didn't Jesus say that whoever follows him would walk in, in light and they would have the light of life, but the, the people stumble around in darkness and they don't even know what they're tripping over. And it says in the Proverbs that the path of the righteousness is like the light of dawn that grows brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. Uh, Jesus is so convinced that the Father is going to share his heart and share his actions with him. And then again, just one more thing, because I, I love this too. This, this, if I had to have an all-time favorite Bible verse, this is it. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, where Jesus says, I am he who lives. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And if you keep reading it, he, he actually amens himself. He actually says, Amen. I have the keys of death and Hades. It's absolutely amazing. But you know what? You want to have confidence in eternal security. You want to know that you have uh, a share in the life and the internal inheritance of Jesus Christ. Wow. When the faith of the Son of God rises up inside of you and you can say, I was dead, but now I'm alive too. And you can say so with the faith and the confidence of Jesus Christ, your life's going to change. You're going to start to experience uh, the fruit of eternal Zoe life now in a way that you never have before. And I'm so glad I don't have to work this up. I'm so glad I don't have to pump this up. I'm so glad this is, a, this is a, a result of Jesus speaking into my world. And you know, the Bible says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. There's so much promise of, of, of good things in our lives if we live with confidence. And that word confidence, I mean, it's, it's just a compound word. It's a, it's a Latin word. It comes, it comes from two words, con and fide. So you think about con, like chili con carne. Con means with, and fide means faith. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your with-faithedness. Be confident. Be with faith. When you do things, do it confidently in who God is and what he said over your life. Do it with faith, knowing that there's great reward for stepping out boldly and confidently. God is with you, and what he said he's going to do in and through your life, he's going to do. So wow, I just realized what time it is, and we got to get moving. We got to get moving. But I'm going to try to land this in like four minutes. I'll try and summarize this all right now. We'll try and bring it all to a conclusion. To put it into the context, what I'm trying to say is that faith's really, really important for where we are right now as individuals, what God's doing in our lives, what's happening on planet Earth in 2021. Uh, faith is a big deal. Faith is going to lead the way, and we are pivoting. We are moving. And I really believe that we, that as a corporate body, that the church itself, the big picture church, I really think that the impact church world, I believe that you and me and our individual lives and our families, I think we're fixing to make some very big forward steps in life. And you know what? It might get a little bit messy. And uh, I hope you're okay with that. You know, the Bible says that you got to fight the good fight of faith sometimes. See, faith doesn't eliminate uh, all obstacles. It overcomes obstacles. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So sometimes, you know, you're going to experience adversity. Sometimes you're going to experience obstacles that need to be overcome. But faith is going to help you do that. Don't get knocked out of the realm of faith. Fight the fight of faith. Don't fight the fight in your works and in your flesh and in your best efforts. Fight the good fight of faith. And I'm going to be honest with you, I hate this the most. This is one of my least favorite Bible verses. But it does say in Hebrews, sometimes 
We have to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And sometimes the greatest expression of faith is patience. Sometimes it's the ability to say, I believe, even when it doesn't look like it, I believe. Even when it doesn't look like, God, you're doing anything. Even when it doesn't look like anything's changing. Even when it looks like everything's moving backwards, I believe. And to be able to remain confident and hopeful, that's faith. But here's the thing, no matter what, we are moving forward. We're moving in changing times. We're led by the voice of God. And I challenge you today just to be clear on what you're believing God for. As a body of believers, we have a vision. We have foundational values. But again, I'd ask you, like Pastor Carl asked last week, what are you writing? What are you believing for? Write it down. Make it plain. Go over it. And if you don't know, you can. I mean, God has anointed us. He's called us. He's equipped us to help you to be able to discover. That's one of our foundational values. We can help you discover who God made you to be and help unpack the gift that you are. So don't, don't feel like you're on this journey by yourself. But more importantly than that, you can hear God's voice for you. You can let faith begin to rise up in your life and you can let God begin to speak over you identity and purpose. You can get let God the Father father you and begin to communicate to you who he made you to be and who you are at your core. And you can hear his voice and that's really where faith begins. It's the rhema word, the word of God spoken to you at your heart level, at a, at a deep personal level. So let's, let's resolve together to do this. Let's live by faith. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's pivot into the next season. And let's do what I got up on the screen here. Let's run with endurance the race that's set before us. There's a context. We're specific. We're specific about what we want to see. Let's run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the object of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who pioneered the way for us, and the one who's going to bring to a flourishing conclusion all the things that God has ever said and wants for you and for me. So let's do this together. Let's commit to a life of faith, the faith of the Son of God working in us. Amen? I'm looking, and I think I see some amens on the screen there. But uh, you know what? I don't know if you, yeah, I mean, I can see the people on Zoom. I don't know who's watching on YouTube or Facebook, but just want to want to wrap this up real quick and just give, give everybody a chance here. You know what? If you want to, if you want a part of this life of faith, if you want to, to, to embrace the fullness of who God made you to be and the fullness of what God has put in your heart to be and to do, it starts with faith. It's faith from beginning to end, faith from first to last. And like we said today, it's not easy or it's not hard. It's actually really easy. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And if you can say with me today, if you can say, Jesus, I believe in you and I believe in you to restore relationship to God and to make me everything God ever wanted me to be. If you can believe that, if you can say that today, I'm telling you what, something miraculous is happening on the inside of you right now. And we'd like to hear about it. So, I mean, you can go to impactlondon.ca. You'll find a connect card if you've watched us and you don't normally tune in with us. I mean, we'd really appreciate to hear from you. If you've, if you've prayed a prayer, if you've said something, if you can identify in some way to Today that faith is risen in your heart in Jesus Christ for the first time. Fill that card us. Let us know. We'd like to send you something in the mail. Just follow up and say hey. But everybody else, I just want to, I want to pray for you real quick, and I want to encourage you. Take big steps in faith. Get clear on what God's saying to you. We're going to move forward this year in a big way. And Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for the gift of faith. I thank you for the way that you're speaking and communicating to each and every single one of us. I thank you for the big plans, the big purposes that you have for us as a body of people. I thank you for the pivot you're taking us through. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and the way you've equipped us and made us able to hear your voice. So thank you, Father. Let the voice of God ring loud and clear in the hearts of all the believers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well,
Bless you guys. I really enjoyed today. We'd love to have you. I know I can see a lot of people up on the screen again right now, but uh, if you want to make your way to impactlondon.ca, uh, we've got it in the bottom screen, on the bottom right of the front page of impactlondon.ca, you'll see an all access pass button. Just click that button. You'll jump into our Zoom lobby. And if you want prayer today, we have a uh, private confidential prayer rooms. Just identify yourself to the lobby host when you come in and they'll be able to move you into a, a confidential room where you'd be able to get some prayer with people of our on our prayer team but uh, we'd love to see you there this week we've got Wednesday midweek service again we've got small groups love to connect with you this week but thanks again for tuning in today guys it was really good to see you God bless you and we'll see you this week